0: Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com.
1: Okay, this is the first time that I've ever seen everyone just get quiet without anybody telling them to. So, that's weird. Maybe it's it's because the song ended, isn't it? Do you think we were that organized that we planned the song to end and then you guys would just... Yeah, we're not that good. Okay, I want to give you a little bit of a recap from last week where we were. Because everything builds week to week. And so, last week, we talked about beliefs. And we talked about the fact that we as believers and non-believers... Believers, when I talk about believing, believing in Christ... And so we have all kinds of beliefs, religious or otherwise, and beliefs are powerful. Anything that's come to be has come from our beliefs. And once we build those beliefs, once they get built in us, we fight at anything that fights against them. And what we want to do is we want to have, I I used a new puzzle for this week. So this is a jigsaw puzzle. And so our beliefs, the way we want to see things are like a jigsaw puzzle. And so we have this picture in our mind of how we think and know things should be, right? And so we're only looking for those puzzle pieces that will fit in here. If it doesn't fit, we don't want it because it messes with our confidence, our, our sense of identity, the way we see the world, and nobody wants to see their world shaken. And so what we do is, is we only see those things that fit for us, right? It's called bias, Uh, yeah, that, no, if it doesn't fit with here, I don't want it. What? No, no, that doesn't fit with the puzzle I have, so I'm not taking that. So I'll just keep waiting. And so that's why we only absorb what fits into our beliefs. But here's the thing, and we talked about this last week. In our beliefs, do you really want to just stick with what that picture is, or do you want to know the truth? And this is for those that believe in Christ and those that don't. It's for all of us because we can have the approach of being like a soldier where we put up the shield and we have our sword and we're like, look, this is what I believe. I'm going to stick up for my side. My adrenaline's up. Don't mess. Or we can be like a scout, also in the military, but the scout goes out to see what what the reality is, whether they like to hear it or not. And so... This week, we have two more weeks of this. This week, we're going to look at what if when you're walking with these beliefs, because eventually you have to believe in something, right? You have to put your trust into some reality. And so as you have that trust, what if you can't really follow through with what you believe? What if it becomes too hard? Or what if you thought what you believe begins to crumble? How do you deal with that? And so what we're going to do here is Um, I want to try to talk about the disciples and I don't know if you know this but they didn't believe all the way through they struggled with belief and we can relate with them in so many different ways whether it's something serious or whether it's something that the picture that I had in my head is I had this strong belief in in my surfing when I was a kid and so I had this strong belief and I, I got invited to do this contest in Hawaii at this place called Pipeline, but I knew I couldn't handle it. So I lived in San Diego, and they had this wave that that I would see on TV sometimes, and they would say, oh, this is like the training grounds for Pipeline, which, by the way, it's not even close. It's so much easier. But I go to this spot. It's called Big Rock, and it's in La Jolla, and I go by myself because nobody else really wants to go, and it's a really localized place is what I've heard, which means If you're not from around there, you shouldn't be there. So I'm already a little bit nervous, but I believe in who I am. And so I show up, and I'm on the beach, you know, kind of checking it out. You know, and there's people out there. and So I paddle out, and I I have to sit there for a while and watch it because I don't know the place. And so I get out there, and I think I'm only going to catch, like, two waves because it's a localized place. But what happens is they're really friendly. And this guy ends up becoming my friend later, a guy named Peter, Peter King, and he's from there. And so he's like, hey, what's up, man? You got this. And so he's like almost pushing me into this wave. You got this. And so I'm cruising and I'm believing, right? I'm believing I can catch this wave. But here's the thing about surfing. Here's the thing about waves. You have to be either all in or it's not going to end well. And so as I'm paddling, I start to hesitate. We call it like... uh, um, alligator arms. You just start going, I don't think I really want this wave because that looks a little scary. And so you're not really paddling as hard. So I believe, but then I start to not believe. And so I'm starting to pull back a little bit, but you don't do this at this spot because the wave has already got me. And so as I'm going, I start paddling faster and faster, but I'm not fast enough. And so I don't know how it happened, but at some point, I don't know if you know, know much about waves, but the wave is starting to pitch, okay? So it hits, um, it goes from deeper water to this really shallow reef, And that's why it's such a scary place, um, because the reef will become dry. And you've got to drop in and then go down the line so that you don't land onto this big table of rock. And so as I'm paddling, I don't know how I get in this situation, but I'm like this now. (laughs) And in my back is the wave. And so I'm basically racing the wave to see who's going to get down to this little table of rock first. It all ended well. I'm here. But the point is, is you believe, but you kind of don't believe. You know what I'm talking about? And so these disciples, they believe. They have this, they suppose, they think, they conjecture, they speculate, they suppose. But that's a big difference from believe, from trust, putting everything in there. Have, have you ever in your life put yourself all in on something, or at least you thought you were all in, and then your trust in that began to crumble. Your speculation became, I can't trust that. For example, you're here in California. If you've been in California for any period of time, you realize that this ground is not very stable. If you're from Missouri, you're from Massachusetts, you're from Florida, anywhere else where they don't have earthquakes, you don't know this feeling. And when it comes, it really throws you for a loop because you, you supposed, you thought, hey, I can trust the ground. It's not gonna shake. It's not gonna move. Your house isn't gonna sway left and right. Things aren't gonna start flying around your house. But when that happens, there's this real sense of fear, this real sense of, Oh, gosh, things aren't the way I thought they were. Have you ever had that with, let's say, a dating relationship? Oh, this is so good. This person's amazing. They really care about me. And as things go on, you're like, what? I believe this, but now this is happening. With your family, hey, things are supposed to be this way, and then this is gonna happen, and then this is gonna happen, and then this is gonna happen, but it doesn't turn out the way you thought it was gonna turn out. And all of a sudden, you have this buried frustration and anger towards your family because they didn't do what you expected them to do. You trusted, you had this picture of how things were going to go and they didn't go that way. Maybe you had dreams of how your family was going to be. I'm going to finish high school, then I'm going to go to college, or I'm going to go start a business or whatever, and then these things are going to happen this way, and then I'm going to have... Um, this many children, it's not going to take me any time at all. And then once I have this chil- these children, these 4.5 children, they're going to be perfect. They're all going to do fantastic things. And my spouse and I are going to get along perfectly. There's never going to be any problems. My job is going to be just what I wanted. There will never be any hiccups. And then my retirement will start. They'll eventually move out of the house. They'll always want to come back to the house and hang out with us because we're so cool. I'll be surrounded by my g- grandkids. It's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. We're going to their house now. I don't even have to host it, and then I can retire, and it's going to be perfect. And if you're in this room at this point, you realize that's not happening. And so you wonder, wait, I believe this, but this isn't happening. That is normal. And when it comes to faith, do not have the assumption that you will not question your beliefs. Do not have the assumptions that things will not ever teeter. Because these people that we look at, these disciples, these people that not only do we think about, that we study and look to, but when we think about them, they had so many doubts. In fact, I heard this statement in the past few weeks, and actually I heard it before that, and then I heard it again. I never thought about it before. But at the cross, when Jesus died, there were no Christians. Did you know that when he died there were no Christians everyone's beliefs everyone's trust was shattered they supposed they thought they speculated but then when he died well oops here I'll show you so we know that Jesus um, was talking with Peter and Peter believed we have talked about this before right what about you Peter, who do you say I am? And he said, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. He had some speculation. He had some theory. He, had, he was moving in that direction, and he thought, oh, I believe. I fully believe. Well, if you fully believe, Simon, then when they're coming to take Jesus away here in John 18, why do you have a sword? Now, when I say that, I don't know if you ever had a friend like this, but I remember having a friend for a little while And he had this past that I didn't know about. His past was that he was a professional boxer. He got paid to box. So when I went out and about with this guy, everything changed once I realized he was a boxer. I just look around going, that person can't mess with us. That person can't mess with us. Like everything just seemed different because I've got boxer guy with me, right? In fact, I just realized as I'm saying this, I've got some MMA friends. I had one friend that was in the special forces and did all kinds I surround myself with these people. So we've got Peter here. He has Jesus, who he said is the son of God, the Messiah. So why is he carrying around a sword? And why is he carrying around a sword to defend the Messiah? Does he really need us to defend him as we've talked about with our beliefs and anything else? Does he need us to look out for him? No, no, don't mess with Jesus. He's fragile. But Simon picks up this sword and cuts off Someone's ear, a guy named Malchus, that's coming to try to grab Jesus. That doesn't sound like someone that really believes. You can see, you can sense the fear in there, can't you? And here we see Peter later. I mean, Peter, right? The rock, remember? Because he made that statement on on this, I will build my church. That's how he got the name Peter. It means Rocky. That's not his real name. His name's Simon. So... After Jesus has been taken away, Peter follows at a distance. And a servant girl, a girl, little kid, saw him seated there in in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, hey, this man, Peter, was with Jesus. So this man that believes goes, woman, I don't know him. That doesn't sound to me like his faith is shaken. Wait, why are they grabbing him? This is not the way it was supposed to go. And it wasn't just him. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, this is John, also went in for us. yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So this is after Jesus had been crucified, he's in the tomb. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Here's the crazy thing. When Jesus died and they buried in the tomb, none of the disciples none of his followers, none of those who believed were waiting outside the tomb. Did you ever think about that? Nobody was waiting. Hey, just hold on. Watch this. It's going to go down. In fact, when Jesus was even at the cross, as he's at the cross, there were only two that we know of that were there that had followed him prior, his mom and John. And it wasn't like John said, hey, guys, don't worry. It's temporary. Hold on. Wait a couple days. Watch this. Watch this. They they kind of cowered. They were there to mourn. They were at a funeral. If you were to go back to John or to James or to Peter, all of the, Matthew, all of these disciples and ask them, so after everything that's happened, now that he's been crucified, arrested, crucified, and he was put in the tomb, what do you think now? You know what they would have said most likely? We were wrong. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the door's being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They're huddled. They're huddled together in fear. Their beliefs have been shattered. All, all of the disciples deserted him and ran away. We need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded of that when our faith falters. When you're When your trust begins to shatter a little bit, just know you're normal. You're human. The people that Jesus chose to follow him upon which he would build his church faltered. But then something crazy happened. They do a complete about faith. And this is what I want us to focus on this morning. Okay, I'm getting in full Mr. Rogers mode. I'm getting all fired up now. So something crazy happens, and that's what I want to spend most of our time talking about. Why is it they go from this to something dramatically different, like that? Let's take a look. So if you have your Bibles, if you could, um, I would like you to open up to Acts 2. If you have your phones, they'll go there even faster. So here we have Peter. We've already seen where Peter's at, right? We've already seen his lack of courage, his lack of trust. He thought he knew it was going to happen, but, it, but it, then it didn't. But then Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Who are the them? He's addressing all of the people. It's at, it's at Pentecost. And it's, so here, it, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This is on Pentecost. Now, you think of Pentecost now as this day that has a name. Um, Pentecost means 50. It's 50 days after Passover. And so we know that Jesus, there was Passover the night he was betrayed. Then the next day began the procession towards him being crucified. And then um, three days later, he rose from the dead. The transformation that happens here In Peter, the thing that made him going from hiding, from a girl hiding up in in an upper room, the difference is that he has seen Jesus risen from the dead. That changes everything. The resurrection is not just about us going, oh, it's April or it's late March, time to do Easter, he is risen. Everything about the Christian faith hinges On this, And Peter now has all of this strength, all of this confidence, all of this belief and trust to the point that now he's going to do some public speaking. Not something that he had done really prior to that. And not only is he doing that, but he's doing it to the very people that arrested and killed Jesus. So now he seems as if he's fearless. He's standing before them saying, he came, you killed him. He rose, you were wrong, say you're sorry. I mean, that's basically what he's saying. That's not gonna go over well, but he doesn't care because he has seen something. He says, this Jesus, God raised up, and that we all are, we all are witnesses. This is what changed everything. We talked about it a few weeks ago, when we talked about it with Paul, when Paul was up on Areopagus in Acts 17, and he's up there, and he comes into Athens, and as he's talking to them, he's talking to all of, he's talking on this mountain where they would come to share philosophies, but what he doesn't do, Paul doesn't come up and start talking about the philosophies and the teachings of Jesus. What he goes up to talk about is what has happened. Do you see the difference there? The whole of Christianity should fall on the fact, did Jesus rise from the dead or not? That's what should hold us. Christianity should not be held upon the Christian teachings. It should hold up because Jesus either rose from the dead or he didn't. That's what we need to figure out. That's what we need to investigate. That's what we need to find out. As I talked last week about my journey in this faith, I got to that point where I had to start realizing, look, all of these teachings, they're really cool. But I'm not going to move my whole life upside down for this if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And that's really what Paul said. Paul said, this is a waste of time. This is futile if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. So we have to ask that question. We can't just kind of suppose and guess and hope. We have to wrestle with this. Did he really rise from the dead or not? We're not going to wait till Easter to go, he's risen. We've got to ask these questions now because it affects your whole life. Peter was one way before the resurrection and another afterwards because that's what the resurrection does. It transforms us. Let's look a little bit deeper here. This is what Peter says in 2 Peter. He says, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories. And I love that framework. I love the way that's shared because that's the way I began to question the faith. As I shared a little bit, I came from no faith. Then I had faith. And then I was relentless like a soldier trying to defend that faith. And then it felt like there were holes in it. I felt insecure. And especially as involved, did he really rise from the dead? And so when he says here, Peter says, we did not follow cleverly devised stories. That's what I felt like I was doing. But Peter says, we didn't follow these cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Um, John says later, so this is not Peter. Now now we're talking about John. This is how John referred to looking at Jesus and and what he's trying to tell others. He's not saying, hey, this is a great way of life for you. You should do this. It's really gonna work for you. Don't we do that a lot with certain beliefs when we have eyewitnesses? Hey, this new restaurant just opened. I just had someone tell me about this. It's up in Mission Viejo. Oh, it's this great place. You should go there. Why? I went there. It was awesome. As soon as you hear that, okay, okay. There's a movie just came out. I'm always skeptical, skeptical about going and spending money at movies because it's expensive, and there's five of us in our family, and so when you add it all up, it can get expensive. So I want to know someone that went and saw that movie. I don't want to see the little rotten tomato thing. That doesn't help me. I want to know somebody that I know went and saw the movie and said it was awesome. Then once they said it's awesome, then I might check it out. Don't we do that with everything? And so here we have John saying that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. And he's talking about the resurrected Jesus. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. But when I think about believing and I think about Jesus, I'm like, well, these disciples, hmm. But you know who was there that didn't believe in him in the beginning? His brother. Doesn't that make sense? (laughs) Do you know that when you open up the Bible and you see the book of James, that James is the brother of Jesus? Can you imagine when Jesus was walking around and he's, he's doing these things, and in the midst of that, the Bible says that James was questioning Jesus? Wouldn't you? I mean... I I know, think, how many of you have siblings that people go, oh, that person's awesome. And you're like, yeah, but you don't know them like I know them. James. James can say that about Jesus. In fact, this is what it says in John 7. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. They liked him. They thought he was a great guy. They loved him. But really, come on. The son of God, Messiah, like for real. Like we had bunk beds, all right? We, we ate together. I played with you. I, I remember when that girl, Habib, really liked you. Like I know how this works. But something happened. Something dramatic happened. James one. 1. this is how James, the brother of, of Jesus, describes himself now, his identity. James, a servant of God and of the Lord, Jesus Christ. I think you all know this, but Christ is not Jesus' last name. So he's calling him the Messiah, the Lord and the Messiah. What happened? Well, as... as I believe it's 1 Corinthians 15 says, I believe verse 7, and then Jesus came and showed himself to James. You can't argue with that. You can't argue when you see the risen God. It gets to the point where you can study the Bible, you can study the Christian philosophy, but eventually you have to come to this question. Did he really rise from the dead? And so I had to go on this journey. I had to go on this journey to try to wrestle with it. And I can't take you through that whole journey right now, but some of it is just watching the transformation in these men. But this is the part that really gets me. Because these disciples, they testified with their own lives. If Jesus did not, if he was not crucified, and if he did not rise from the dead, the people that would know it for sure would be these disciples not just the apostles, the disciples, they would know if this was a lie. And why would anybody die for a lie? People die for things that they believe in that aren't true. But why would anyone die, choose to die for a lie? It doesn't make any sense. These guys aren't crazy. There's nothing to show us any evidence of them being unstable mentally. Yet Peter, was crucified, Andrew was crucified, Matthew ran through with a sword, John died naturally, John who wrote Revelation in the book of John, James crucified, Philip crucified, Simon also crucified, Thaddeus, arrows, James the brother of Jesus, stoned Because he wouldn't say that his brother did not rise from the dead. That's all he had to say. That's all any of these guys had to say. It didn't happen. You're right. I just wanted the power. I just wanted to have this. I mean, there's this big movement. I just kind of wanted to be a part of it and lead it. But they didn't. Thomas, run through with the spirit. Bartholomew, crucified. James, son of Zebedee, the sword. The sword. It's understandable that you would have doubts. And so you've got to get to the point where you start investigating, asking these questions, not just taking what you've heard because it was passed down to you, but take it and wrestle with this. As I have researched this for myself because I needed it for myself, as I've wrestled with this, this is just one aspect where how can you, how can you ignore this? There was a man named Jesus. No one wrestles with that. That's just straight fact. And he led a movement, and he was crucified. And there was a large movement of people that died saying that he rose from the dead. And this movement began to happen. In fact, as Josephus was talking, uh, an historian named Josephus was talking about the movement that was happening in, in Rome even, he said that this movement was happening because the Christians were so pure of heart. People don't say that much about us today, do they? What we're sharing this morning is not about our purity of heart, but how did they get to that purity of heart because they had seen the risen Jesus? So what do we do with this? What I want us to do with this is for us to take a step back with our beliefs, and begin to investigate it. Don't just take it because it was passed down. Get your hands into it. Get your mind into it. Get your heart into it. Ask these tough questions. Put them to the test. Don't live your life supposing, maybe, speculate, theorize. Put your weight into it. I mean, if you're going to live, then really live, right? Right? And Jesus came to set the captives free. When I look at Peter's life, prior to Jesus rising from the dead, they're two radically different people. They're not the same. Because the resurrection changes us. We, we, we look at life differently. We forgive more easily. We I mean, we look at all those disappointments that I mentioned earlier about relationships or family or unmet expectations. And you can still wrestle with God on that, by the way. I have a friend that I was just talking to and and this friend said, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty angry with God and I just wanna yell and cuss him out. I'm like, go ahead, it's called prayer. No, I mean, I'm angry. I'm upset because what I expected to happen didn't happen. I go, it's still called prayer. God can take it. It's like, no, stop, stop. I can't handle it. We have to express. We have to let it out. God will stand in the midst of whatever we throw at him, including our doubts, including our unmet expectations. But when the time comes, when the time comes that you put him to the test in terms of the resurrection, did you really rise from the dead? Show me. Give me proof. I have never seen him personally walk in front of me and go, Book oh, here, put your hands right there. But I've had so many amazing eyewitness, my eyes, witnessing my ears, witnessing God moving. I've shared so many of them with you that I don't want to go through them all again right now because then we won't be able to pray through song. But can you imagine now why these early disciples lived the way they did? Not only did they give their life, but the way they lived. Like here at church, we're like, oh, let's sing some songs. But can you imagine them when they sang those songs? Why they sung those songs? They had seen the risen Jesus. Oh, I'll write some songs then. No, only will write those songs. I will dance to those songs because everything changes then. I remember sitting on my deathbed, and it's amazing. I thought I believed. I thought I trusted. But as I'm sitting there on my deathbed, I realized, oh, my gosh. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of going. I know that you came, that you lived, and that you died, and that you rose again, and that you're waiting for me to come home. That makes you want to sing. That makes you want to write songs. That makes you want to dance. That makes you want to take communion. Communion is not like, oh, I've got to take communion. Let's go take the bread. Dip it. Boop, boop. I did it. Checked it off the list. I'm good for the next time. No, it was this ritual they created. Remember when Jesus said, Do this in remembrance of me. And when they were told that, that was before he was crucified. Then he was crucified and they all abandoned. Right? But then they all saw him rise from the dead and they were with him for those 40 days and they had over 500 people witness this. I witnessed this. And then he rose back into heaven and then here we have Pentecost. And everything's different. And then when they took communion and they did it in remembrance of him, they remembered who he really was, the risen God. That is what our faith is built on. And you can't just take my word for it. You can't just take someone else's word for it. You've got to put this to the test. The evidence is there. It's overwhelming. So these are my questions for us. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? This is a, these are questions I want you to ask in your family. Ask on the drive home. Ask when you go out to eat. Ask as you're helping to... Tear down the kids' area. Um, And then number two, what investigation have you done on this claim of resurrection? What have you done to look this up? Because you need to. Otherwise, you'll always kind of be hesitant in life. Even when you know this truth, even when you wrestle into this, if you decide that Jesus did rise from the dead, it's still gonna be really hard to follow him. (laughs) because it's hard, but it's impossible if you don't trust that he is who he claimed to be. So I wanna pray for us, because there's nothing I can say that takes us here. We have to be willing like a scout to say, okay, I wanna go see what the truth really is. I wanna go out and see this for myself. I wanna know that I know that I know. So if you're willing and you're able, could you stand with me to pray? And the worship team is going to come up. Don't want you to be surprised to know that I stole your music thing. As we sing these songs, I want you to also picture the disciples. After he rose from the dead, how do you think they sang their songs? You can only be where you're at. But if you have these questions... Go look for the answers. And if you just heard what's been passed down to you, begin to take it on your own and wrestle with this yourself. I can only share what I've seen happen in my life, not just the belief part, but what God has done through that. I am so beyond imperfect. You Want to know? Ask my wife. Ask my kids. But I am w- much different than I was before I came to this realization that Christ rose from the dead and my life began to change. My whole life is built around that now. And it is a life of freedom and I want that for all of you. That's what this whole church is about. We're gonna talk more about that next week. Like what do we do with this? How do we live this out? What are we supposed to be? Do we just gather, set up some chairs, throw on a projector and start singing some songs, get some donuts and head home? Like is that what we are? Is that it? Then it's not enough. That's a waste of time. But it's more. And we're gonna look at that early church and look at those believers and see how they lived. Father, as we uh, pause and as we sing these songs, as we sing these prayers, open our eyes, Lord. We wanna see you. Lord, as we take communion, we do this in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. At any time, three songs, when you're ready, um, in the back corners are the tables and you take the bread, uh, his body which was broken for you and you dip it into the drink which is his blood which was shed for you.
0: And we do this in
1: remembrance of him. Heavenly Father, in closing, we
0: just, um, man, these are big words that we are claiming to believe, God. These are big statements, big truths and how they can change us to the extent that we deepen our faith and belief in them. We ask that we would begin to realize more of that transformation in our actual lives, in our actual communities. Would you give us that gift as we grow together? In Jesus' name, amen. Just in closing, I wanted to just say, uh, these. Uh, uh, it was helpful for me to once hear a pastor say, um, relative to how we believe things, um, that... Um, uh, when I when I married my wife Allie 20 years ago, my goodness, 20 years ago, dude. Um, we uh, I, I became a husband that day, but I have been becoming a husband every day since then. And I think uh, I think that's the journey we are invited into, especially in community, as we faithfully open the Word together and just grapple with these truths and our doubts that there might even be real. That we do that in community, and that we become these apprentices to Jesus already, and then we become better apprentices as we move along. So let's become the Christians that we already are as we move from this place and we do it in community. Can we do that together? Amen? Amen. Amen. Friends, brothers, sisters, you're dismissed, released. Enjoy the day. There's kids to be picked up, I think, at some point. Don't leave those guys behind. They need you. Thank you. Bless you. See you next time.